go to the ring for the introduction. And now, making their way down to the ring, hailing from Sterling, Illinois, your podcast champions, the Cubers. I gotta tell you, this crowd really doesn't like these guys, and there's a good reason for it. They're nasty, mean, and they'll do anything that they can to win. Now here's a couple of good All-American boys that's getting ready to come to the ring. We really love them around here. And now the challengers. First, by way of the Carpathian Mountains, via Romania, Fez Barlow. Listen to that crowd go crazy. From Polo, Illinois, Shaky. They're coming, running to the ring. They aren't wasting any time. Oh, they took the Cuber. They're on the Cubers. They're slamming them all over the place. That referee hasn't even rung the bell yet. Oh, here we go. Fez, Fez, wake up. It's time to record the one-year anniversary special for Shaky Subject Matter. Let's go. Hi, I'm Shaky. And these are my tales of times forgotten. This is Shaky Subject Matter. All right, this is the Shaky Subject Matter one year anniversary party. And as you can hear, there's more than one person or two people. Fez is here as always. I like his ring girl outfit today, guys. What do you think? Pretty sexy, huh? Yeah, totally. Well, a seven foot tall, seven foot tall with a blonde wig is something to see. All right. So I'm shaky, as people who've been listening know. And I have uh, three guests in the studio 306 tonight, and we're going to start by introducing each other. So, as I said, I'm Shaky. I'm Gary Heller. Jim Cholas. Mike Tolos. Okay. Now, this uh, podcast is going to be about wrestling. And the first thing we're going to talk about is how did we start watching wrestling. And I started back in 1984, 83-84, when the big uh, wrestling flood came into the United States anyway. started watching WWF. On channel 32 and then as I am a late nighter I started watching it on channel 26 on Tuesday nights at 11:30. so we're gonna go to Gary and he can tell us how he started watching wrestling that was easy uh, usually Saturday nights I'd be home with my father watching I think AWA would be on uh, NWA would be on uh, he'd be flipping through the channels trying to find something we had one TV back then and he'd, he'd flip through flip through he'd see a wrestling match on of course he'd watch it till the end of the match anyway till the end of that match match then he'd flip it and i'd ask questions and he'd he'd, he'd make sarcastic comments about it you know oh well this is what's gonna happen here this is what's gonna happen here and most of the time he was right and i was like well how do you know that type well, of what year did you start you know i really i would say it was mid to late 80s okay actually i can't i don't know exactly the year but it was definitely around that area yeah i'd, I'd ask a bunch of questions and he would just kind of sarcastically you know let it go. It's just, it's just, it's just this. It's just that. But he'd do it all the time. Whenever it'd be on, he'd stop it, and he'd watch what was going on. It's we'd watch the end of the match, no matter what it was, and it piqued my interest. So I started asking questions, and then when I had control of TV, nobody was around. I'd ask, if it came on, I'd be watching it, and 
it just kind of grew from there. It's piqued my interest. Okay. And you were, were you watching it? I was watching it in Chicago. Where were you watching it? Well, I mean, I was in Mount Morris. Mount Morris? Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. all right. I just wondered what whatever the was, was across. The, yeah, I mean, we didn't have a lot of channels, but um, whatever. Okay. Whatever channel was on there. All right, Jim. So I guess uh, it was an early age when I started watching wrestling. Probably about four. I can remember being mesmerized every time I would see these guys in the ring. Uh, back then, so I lived in Chicago also. I think the channels were like 62, 44 or something. Help me out. 26. 40, 44, 26, 32, 38. Yeah. But I don't think there was much wrestling on channel 38 because that was the religious channel. So, uh... <laughs> so yeah, and... So channels were limited. You'd have to get up and turn the channel on the TV. And, (laughs) you know, it was like things were different back then. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is that when I first was introduced to wrestling, I think we had gone over to one of my my mom's uncle's house. It was on TV and these guys were just in a ring fighting. And everybody was quiet because they were watching it. And uh, I started watching it too and I was... You know, at that young age, you know, when something's over like that, you start thinking about it and then you want more. So I, I realized that it would be on Saturdays. Now, back then, my, you know, I, I didn't know how to operate a clock or how to tell time, I guess. So it was by chance that I would be flipping the channels and, wow, there's some other guys now in a ring fighting. What is what is this? I got to sit down and keep the channel here. So it must have been four or five years old. And I realized, okay, it's on at, you know, Saturday, Saturdays around one o'clock. I got to get to my uncle's house so I can sit down and watch it. And and that's the thing for me. It's like I was mesmerized when I was younger. And I keep remember, remembering, though, the first couple years, um, I'd always show up and there was only about 20 minutes left in the show. So I guess when I got older, you know, I, I made sure I knew what time it was on. Uh, cable started coming around at that point, I guess, in the I didn't 80s. have cable until I was 14. And it was more accessible, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but uh, then you just started watching. And for me, what I remember is WWF. That was the one. That was the show I was interested in. AWA when I was younger, I guess. Can't leave that out because I always remembered AWA. That means something about wrestling, you know. I was so young, I didn't know. That was the Sunday. Yeah. Sunday shows. Yeah. It was on Sundays all the time. I remember that. So those are my earliest memories, you know. All right. Let's go to Mike. Okay, with me, with my dad, he used to watch it all the time. Uh, when I grew up in San Francisco, I uh, must have been six or seven. I can't remember how old I was. Uh, my dad used to watch it. was on twice. They would have Ray Stevens was the United States champion. Nick Bockwinkle was there. His father wrestled. Mr. Saito was there. Uh, besides... Uh, Salt in the eyes. I mean, uh, yeah, well, uh, then they would have the matches from um, L.A. I think it was the Coliseum, I believe they yeah. called it. And... Uh, 18-year-old Roddy Piper used to wrestle, oh. and they had Crusher Verdue then. He was called Crusher Verdue. Uh, and then they had, uh, what's his name, his father who passed away. Uh, what's his name, the one who had a heart attack in the ring, the Spanish. Uh, his father was... Uh, Carlos, it wasn't Carlos Colon, no. No, uh, the guy that passed away in the WWF about 10 years Guerrero. ago. Yeah, Guerrero. Yes, so his father Eddie Guerrero. was Gory Guerrero. I think his father, he, he was champion there. In LA. So I remember watching that and then coming to Chicago and then because uh, we didn't have a lot of money so I, w- I would get a chance once in a while to go to the amphitheater and there you saw a lot of Vern Gagne, Nick Bakwego again, uh, 
Ivan Colo, Superstar Billy Graham, all those guys. And uh, but that that was, I believe, you're right, Channel Twenty Six in Chicago. Uh, but basically, that's how I used to watch it. My dad, my dad watched it all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And then there used to be at the Aragon Ballroom uh, in Chicago for a while a league from it was a Spanish league, and uh, yeah, I can't remember most of the people there. We're talking thirty-five years. Uh, but uh, you still have Spanish wrestlers come up and wrestle there, and so uh, it was interesting. Uh, different style, different age, and now most of these people are probably then, you know. So, uh, but I did get to work with a few of them, Bob Queen Cole, Ray Stevens. I worked with them. Uh, they ran the AWA too. So, in uh, Wahoo McDaniel's old guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's how I got into it. You know, watched it. That's how. I, Okay. All right. Now the second question, we're going to talk about how far in the world of wrestling have you gone as far as fandom and has it done anything to impact you? Has wrestling done anything to impact your life to this day from when you started watching it? We're going to start with you, Gary. Okay. Well, I mean, I've never really met. I met a few people on that big show, Paul White at... uh, it was a Rockford. It was a Rockford Reds minor league baseball. He was there for baseball game for us. He was there for a, some kind of promotion. And I met him there, shook his hand. He, my hand disappeared. The guy was so freaking big. Got a baseball signed by him. It was cool. Well, what, uh, what I'm getting at is, does wrestling hold any impact on your day to day thinking? Uh, stuff that you did because oh, of I wrestling. See what you're saying. Uh, that type of thing. It makes me question everything on TV anymore. <laughs> That's for sure. Once you found out what the whole, you know, once you saw, you pulled the curtain back and realized everything. Yeah, it kind of makes kind of makes you question things. Mm-hmm. Cynical might be a word that's been thrown around, sure. Um, but, you know, the more you learn about it, the more you realize what it is and appreciate it. But it's not like, nah, I mean, it's not like a... No life-changing events because of wrestling? Uh, not really, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jimmy? I wouldn't say anything life-changing, but I I do remember thinking as a youngster, oh, wow, I'd like to do this when I grow up, you know? Okay. I mean, my cousins used to wrestle all the time, like pretend we were Hulk Hogan or something, and jump around the furniture, you know, jump around the house, yeah, hop a chair or something, make noise, have our moms yell at us. But, you know, I was also interested in other sports. But I remember, uh, I wouldn't say violence, but just the action in the ring. It sort of always, uh, I guess, got me excited to watch it. So I was always, uh, you know, more more active, I guess. So I would, I guess I would put aside time to make room for wrestling, watch wrestling on TV, so... And actually, I'll let Noah. I just remembered something. Okay. I still have them. Or my, my folks still have them. I did. It did kind of impact my life because I made cardboard championship belts. Oh, wow. And I drew all the, you know, I drew the globe, like the intercontinental belt. I made that. I made the championship belt. made tag team belts. Put Velcro on them. And I wore them around the house and all that stuff. So, and my mom still has those. So, I mean, that's kind of. That's kind of along those lines. You, just, you know, in art class, I actually drew uh, the face of Smash from Demolition. <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, nice. it was clay, clay face. Nice. <laughs> I, mean, 
I, so so th- that's how I guess wrestling affected me in a way. It's like you know we it was always an interest, so I guess interests usually pop up, and it affected me in art class. I guess sure birthday parties, you know, you have like a wrestling birthday or something. Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, for me. Wrestling really holds a special place in my heart because I got into it 12, 14 years old. I really wasn't sure how it worked or why it worked, but something about it, something about it, I just liked it. So it is one thing that my father would always take me to. You know, even even into his 70s, he'd still go to wrestling with me and loved it. I don't know why he liked it so much, but... And then, you know, as we t- we're going to talk about a little bit later about how history of... or how wrestling has affected our lives a little bit more than this i'm just getting a baseline on where where it impacted us uh it always holds a special place because i mean in uh for graduation in 90 i flew to canada the only time i've ever been out of the country to go see the wrestlemania 6 with hogan and the warrior and then uh two years later dad and i took a couple of people from town and we went to indiana to wrestlemania 8 and every time there was something big with wrestling i grab the old man and take him to iowa rockford wherever they were at and we go to watch wrestling and you know it's just something i think about you know the good times with my dad and that's pretty much the biggest impact it had with me from day-to-day life so i just throw that in there and mike well, well for me i was in the business so yeah <laughs> we, we're, uh, we're gonna hold well, off on that in a minute well, <laughs> look, look, we're just uh, talking about how, uh, what see, made you drive to when it. you get older you see the things you should have done you should have done yes but uh, in this business, there are a lot of people who never really, I don't want to say make it, but get to their potential because sometimes there's too much politics or, uh, you know, I don't want to attack anybody in the business, but it's it's a tough business. It's uh, uh, not always mean the physical part. I mean the promotion, uh, hiring the people. Sometimes, you know, you don't get what you're really looking for, but it's a tough business. Uh, and there's a, and I, I don't tell anybody if they want to get in the business to get in it or not. Um, but I've been told by a few other people that some wrestlers will tell you, don't even get in it, you know. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good entertainment. You got to stay healthy. You got to stay away from the drugs because uh, a lot of people that I wrestled, and uh, a lot of my past from drugs, and I mean, it, I, I think I could name maybe ten right now that passed away from doing drugs, uh, from the AWA to world class, because uh, they lost a lot of people there from drugs. I mean, uh, it's it's a mess. I don't know how it is today. I'm sure there's still problems uh, with because they have so many people mm-hmm. in the business. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm happy really to see women, more women in it. I love the midgets. They gotta come back. We gotta bring those back to Polo. Yeah, because uh, I'm planning to do some shows here, and hopefully these guys will be involved in it too. Because uh, I'm looking to get the Baron out here, from Wisconsin. The Baron. I just saw him. He was at the Crusher Fest. Yeah, he was there, Fest. and he doesn't look bad. He doesn't look bad. So that, for me, I mean, uh, I had injuries, like most people get. I tore my patellar. And I think two years later, the other one tore. So for me, it was injuries. Uh, and that's that's about it. I mean, uh, you know, like anything else, I wish I did things a little different. But uh, it is what it is. And, uh, 
But we're going to try to bring yeah. some wrestling out here in Polo, Illinois. Yep. Yes, we are. And the also, Polis Wrestling Association. Well, <laughs> if I can get the AWA, I, I think McMahon owns that. Yeah, so I, can't touch, I can't touch that. I love the TWA. Yeah, 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 they can trademark that. You're in here first. Okay, now. We fly to Hawaii. All right, now the next question is, and Mike kind of spoiled it already. Uh, how far in the world of wrestling have you gone as far as outside, not actually, some of us can talk about being in the ring and some of us can talk about hanging out with people outside of the ring. And that's what I'm getting at here. Have you guys, uh, you said you did some artwork or something with a guy? No, he said. He said. Oh, yeah, I, I did the belts and stuff. He said he did some artwork. No, uh, you have the artwork guy? I was telling Mike that you have a lot of, like, your Ric Flair picture. It's made from an artist. Oh, yeah. does a uh, lot yeah, of the, well, the work now. Uh, <laughs> WWE has signed, he's partnered with a guy named Rob Schamberger. Okay. And he makes these paintings um, of all the wrestlers past, I mean, from the past all the way up to today. Um, he goes to events. He makes these pictures, these paintings of these guys, and they are so realistic. So I I started buying stuff from him geez, years ago. I was actually one of I now if he's if he listens to this, don't quote me, but he, I was one of the first guys to support him, and I kept supporting him through the years. I haven't in recent past, but um, I've got quite a collection of his artwork, and I actually had one special uh, painting done for a buddy of mine for another guy. It was like a commission job or whatever they call those, and uh, he's he's unbelievable. And um, I've got quite a collection. I've got the flares. I've got uh, Mick Foley. I've got Edge. I've got the Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all that stuff. CM Punk. Um, got some CM Punks as well. Yes, another another one of my favorites there. Um, so yeah, I mean, he. I guess he's a he, he's a he's an awesome guy. I never met the guy, but I've talked to him, you know, online and everything. He's okay. But he part he's he works with WWE directly. Okay, and he does all this for them. He goes to events and actually paints live at, at some events for them as well, and does some great stuff. Okay, and you said you ran into the Big Show at a yeah, I ran into the Big Show once. Uh, that was that was cool. That was when he was just coming into WWE, I believe. So yeah. he was he already did his WCW stint. So and he was so he was a big shot back then. He was you know his name was huge. He's really huge. Um, as far as other guys, uh, actually, two years ago, I ran into uh, Road Dog Jesse James at the Wrigley Field on my son's tenth birthday. We took him to a Cubs game, and we were coming back from the bathroom. We saw him. I'm like, "That is him." I, I stopped him and got a picture with him and my son, which was cool. And uh, Justin Roberts, the announcer, he used to be in WWE. I ran. I, he was uh, the VIP guy that Tool concert. He was terrible with the band Tool. Okay. I talked to him before the show too, and told him, you know, he's back into it. I guess he's starting to do some more announcing. Okay, I think for uh, AEW actually. Anyway, no, I haven't really met anybody okay. else. I just didn't know what how far you went in the history of no, or, how far you I went wish. into the world of wrestling. I wish I, I, wish I had more. Jim, any cool stories? Yeah, a few that really stick out. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, you know what? Uh, I remember, you know, the nostalgia of wrestling when I was younger again. And it was on WWF. Uh, and right before a commercial, they would have, oh, now we're coming to Rockford, Illinois. You know, the Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> Every time that, you know, bit came up, 
I was like, come on, crossing my fingers. Come on, Rockford or Chicago. At least give me Rockford, you know. Uh, so I guess, you know, eventually, oh, Rockford Metro Center came up. We had to go, you know, break in our each other's backs and stuff, playing wrestling. Me and my cousins were like, hey, let's go. So, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen Hulk Hogan, and as he's coming out, guess who sh- pops up on the screen when they're panning the crowd? Me and my cousins, my brother. So, <laughs> And then uh, years later, uh, me and my brother were like, what the heck? You know, we haven't seen wrestling in 20-some years. Let's me and you go. And just one of the first matches, they pan the crowd, and it's me and my brother again. (laughs) (laughs) You got to see the picture. You sent me the picture. I got it. And I I recently (laughs) showed it to my brother again, and he's like, what? Where's this from? I'm like, oh. I was I borrowed Mike's uh, pass and watched uh, (laughs) watched the the date that uh, wrestling came to Rockford, and you know, and. All of a sudden, me and my brother are on there, so I started snapping pictures off the TV. And back then, um, when I was going to the show outside from below, we were we were walking across the street, and actually from above, there's these kids yelling out, "Hey, macho man! Hey, macho man!" And it was only me and my brother around. <laughs> but as I'm walking to the show. I had a full black beard then, you know. I had sunglasses on and a red bandana with a leather jacket and blue jeans. And in a way, you know, with the sunglasses and the beard, it's like, yeah, I know who they're talking and about. You're a big guy anyway, so, you know. I'm back then bigger. Physique, and it's yeah. like, but uh, I'm going to bring up a story about the Macho Man in a second. Uh, you know, I might as well right now. No, so the, the thing is, we wanted to go see wrestling when that commercial came on. My uncle said he's going to take us. He surprised us, you know, the night before. Because we were never sure what the actual date was. We just knew it was coming, right? We jump in the car. picks us all up. He says, hey, i got to stop and get gas. He gets gas. And in the meantime, uh, you know, uh, when the, ra- the radio's still on and... <laughs> And we were hearing, you know, whoever, you know, wrestling's here tonight at Rockford. It's going crazy. You better get here now. The show's about to start. My uncle comes in the car. We start taking off for Rockford. It's half an hour away from the Metro Center. Not even. And uh, we're driving around. It's a madhouse out there now. So (laughs) we find out he never bought tickets. He's like, hey, guys, I'm going to pull over. I'm going to run in and get us some tickets. (laughs) <laughs> we're like, okay, hurry, hurry. They already said wrestling starting in 10 minutes. That was 12 minutes ago. So we're in the car waiting, and he comes back, and he's upset. Hey, how about if I get you, like, some ice cream? <laughs> you know? It was one of those responses. Yeah. It was something like that. So uh, and like, we asked why. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, they were so, they were sold out. I couldn't get any more tickets, you know. I have a theory, though. I think he had enough of us yelling and screaming in the car that he said, I can't take a whole night. <laughs> Either that. Or what was probably real was that, yeah, you know what, they ran out of tickets. So we are devastated. <laughs> it was going to be our first time. You know, we're around seven, eight years old or something. We get back on the road, driving around the Metro Center in traffic, big red light, traffic jam. And guess who runs across the street right in front of our car? I'm going to guess Macho Man. Macho Man. <laughs> Just one <for> foot. <laughs> and it wasn't, what's his name, Papo? Oh, yeah, I don't know. What's his Lanny. name? Lan- yeah. No, no. The genius? No, no, his actual name. 
I'm I'm trying to say. Oh, Randy or Randy Papo. It was Randy. Yeah. yeah. Randy. Okay. Angela. Yeah. It's it, it wasn't Randy walking across the street <laughs> because he was about to work in an hour or so. Uh, no, it was full robe. <laughs> Sunglasses, Miss Elizabeth being pulled, you know, from his, not, you know, not violently, but, you know, like how he went to the ring. And the guy, I I kid you not, in front of a car, he is strutting down like he's going to the ring, (laughs) looking up in the sky and all around 180 degree view as if he was in the stadium already. Like, in my mind, I imagine him pointing up. To the stars, you know, like they were the yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> let me tell you, this made our night. As he moved from the right front of the car to the left, going by us, my cousin jumped right through me somehow. Here I am, probably around 100 pounds, and he's like half my size, 50 at the time. I've never seen the strength come out of somebody so quick. He's running over to roll down the window and start yelling. We went crazy. We were yelling and screaming. We saw the macho man probably closer than 99% of the people that were going to be in the stadium. Yeah, I was probably about eight. So it was huge. It was huge to see uh, uh, somebody like that in person. Um, I do have one more story, but why don't we wait till it yeah, comes we'll around to you? Because we'll 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 this involves me and you. Yeah, like. well, we're going to switch it up a little bit. I just want to talk about the first time that I went to wrestling, live wrestling, with my father. We had these bikers that lived across the street in the apartment building on Bernard Street. And they said, hey, your kid likes wrestling. Let's all go to wrestling because they used to come over and drink beers with mom and dad all the time. So I'm like, we're going. And we went up to the horizon. It was an AWA show. And... Uh, the road. I saw the Road Warriors for the first time in person. They were down. What do they call it? Behind the curtain yeah. down there, waiting to come out. They had the belts on, just standing there waiting. I, I, I didn't even watch the match. I think it was the Baron. He was doing the. Well, the Baron the Crusher. Yeah, they, the, uh, for the title. I think it was. Uh, it was the Crusher and somebody else fighting uh, the Road Warriors. Was it a Crusher? Uh, yeah, I think it was them. I think it was them. So uh, they were both there. I know they were both there because Dad was excited to see Dick the Bruise. And uh, I looked down in that hallway, see the Road Warrior animal standing there going, my God, is that a real human? And uh, and uh, so anyway, the main event was a steel cage match with Greg Gagne, Vern Gagne, and Sergeant Slaughter when uh, Not he, with the was, Garvin's. No, Jimmy Garvin, no. Uh, it was the Sheik and two oh. other people. Was Brody, steel Brody cage and, steel uh, cage match with all of them, yeah. and uh, you know that was fantastic. Sergeant Slaughter, you yelling USA, everybody's yelling USA. Who's number one? Who's number one? USA, USA. So we're all leaving USA. So we get in the car. They got a little K car. You remember the K yeah, car? Yeah. We get into this little K car to come home from the horizon. I did see Nick Bockwinkle. He popped out from behind the curtain and went back in to see who was out there. But we were driving home, 
you know, the bikers are in the front seat, and uh, they say to Dad, hey, uh, we're going to light up. And Dad goes, hey, that's great. I'm going to have one, too. And he pulls out a cigarette. They pull out a joint. (laughs) 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 And they start smoking a joint. And Dad just in there kind of looking at me. And he goes, don't tell your mother. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the first wrestling match I ever went to. Wow. They They all weren't that eventful, but that was a good story to tell. But anyway, Mike, what was your first wrestling match? I you can't went remember, to? but I'll yeah. say this: uh, the one match remember is when Bobby Heenan was about eighteen. He just got, and he managed Lance at the time, and they teamed him up with Dick Bruiser. Now that's unusual; they really never wrestled together, and they wrestled the Chain Gang, which was Don Fargo ended up being Don Fargo, and his partner uh, can't think of his name right now. He wasn't. Uh, Wrestler from the past, and here I'm watching him wrestle when I must have been eight. And years later, when I got to the WWF, he comes over to me and gives me advice. So I mean, that to me is yeah. a big deal. And I tell you, the other guy that was real good to me was Kurt Henning, because when I went to the AWA and I worked him, we had a good match. And the second time I wrestled him, he was champion, so they were pushing him. Yeah. So the match wasn't like the first match where we went back and forth. Yeah. But he's a good, he works good, and he knows the business. I used to see his dad, but now he passed away. Yeah. Because he got into the steroids, and he got into other things. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And then his dad passed, too, now. But I saw his dad. The first, see, the, the first match could have been that, yeah. or it could have been the Baron against Vern Gagne. Yeah. Because I saw them, and I saw, you know, Dr. X, to me, the best guy for Dr. Rex, Dick Myers. I thought he was great. And I hate to say this, but I love the chain gang. Because every time they come in there, real gang, real motorcycle yeah. gangs would go there and cheer them on. <laughs> but I don't know if you know, in real life, after a match in Milwaukee, the chain gang, they were drinking with the Hells Angels. And what happened was they ended up supposed to meet someplace else to party. Well, they took them into a farm. <laughs> to a barn in, in some place, and they shot the one. They Frank oh, wow. they shot him. Uh, Don Fargo escaped. It was in the paper, and it was everything. They were pissed because they were saying they were from the Hell's Angels, you know. But yet, if you went to the matches, there were all these gangs were cheering them on. But I just, for some reason, the thing with me was, I always liked the bad guys. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know why. Oh, like the yeah, you love oh, Dr. Rex, uh, I wanted the Baron to beat uh, Ganya, and here Ganya hires me. <laughs> years <laughs> later, years later. But I mean, that's how, that's, you know, well, that's the business, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what else? Uh, so basically, you know, uh, Nick Bachwinkle gave me, here's a guy that was wrestling in California probably before I was born. And his dad was Warren Bachwinkle. He was wrestling, too. So here he is years later giving me advice when I got this. So I, I, I enjoy that. Uh, here I saw these guys years ago, and here now they're giving me advice. You know? But, you know, uh, and they were great guys. A lot of those guys are great guys. But there's a lot of, you know, ass, you know, holes in the business. So um, <laughs> there are. There are. Because it, it's one of those type of businesses where everybody wants to be at the top. Yeah. You know? So, and the drugs too, that doesn't help, you know, you know, uh, on Eric's were good. They were good. They had a, they were one of the best leagues for a long time, but the AWA was for like 30 years the top. And then a couple of years, the world class got all these guys and 
Hernandez. And then they were, yeah. Gino Hernandez. Well, they are having Chris Adams. And, and uh, who was the girl? Sunshine. It was Sunshine. another one, Jimmy Garvey. Precious. I even saw Buck Zumoff down there. <laughs> we can't talk about him. No, we are going to be talking about no. Buck Zumoff on this one. No, no. <laughs> Please erase that. Yeah. <laughs> Fez. Fez, I know he's your favorite, but we won't talk about him anymore. You just uh, you go yeah. relive the memories. Okay, All right. He's smiling. <laughs> Why is Fez always so quiet? He's just he's it's those eyes. I think he has social anxiety. Selectively social. Okay, I'm gonna go I'm gonna stray off this a little bit and tell a story about my life with wrestling that is a little bit different than most people's. No way! No way! Mad Dog Vashon! Mad Dog Vashon! I gotta be in his corner! That man doesn't want to wrestle me! He doesn't want to wrestle me! He wants to tear me apart! No way is O'Neal Fans, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Heenan going absolutely berserk! I'm gonna be ashamed, really ashamed, to get paid for my match with Bobby Heenan because I'm gonna be so happy to tear him from limb to limb! I'm gonna break his arm, break his neck, break his leg, break his back, and I'm gonna break your heart. <laughs> and it's gonna come back here to 2019 in Polo, Illinois, from the start. So I'm gonna tell the story, and then Jim's gonna say something, and Mike's gonna say something, Gary might say something. I don't know if he's gonna do. He's looking at me kind of funny. That's <laughs> just how it looked. Okay, so here's here's the story. Okay, so always into wrestling since it started. Lifted weights since it started. Uh, that's an important part of the story is that I've always lifted weights. Not like bodybuilder. I just lifted weights to lift weights because it made me feel good. But uh, anyway, back to my story. 1986, 87... I'm riding my bike through through town in Roselle, Illinois, because we were living there from when we moved to the city. And I look, I'm downtown. They got they have like a small downtown, like small town America, with like a drive-in place and a hobby store and stuff. And there's a bar on the corner on Irving Park. And I look, and there's this guy standing outside in a zebra mask, making out with the ugliest woman you've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> So I'm like, what the hell is going on? I said, this is not normal. This, I, something something drawed me to that for some reason. I said, it isn't normal. So I walked in and I said, what is going on here? They, oh, they do wrestling here. I said, they're doing wrestling? Oh, no, they do the promos. Well, there was this company called PWI that was on, that was on a channel called Sports Vision in Chicago. And it eventually became CM. What's the sports channel now on cable where they show the Blackhawks and all the teams wls no it's a it's like it's still sports vision but it's i think it's cnbc chicago sports mm. channel not sure but well, that's not important so anyway i'd start going here every week and watching them film these promos and the most memorable one was there was a wrestler named terry shoal terry the hammer shoal and uh they came out and hit him in the head with a chair, and he landed on the ground, and he started squeezing a cigar. (laughs) And it looked like somebody turned on a soda fountain for blood to be coming out. Then they put a towel on his head, 
and ran them out of the place. <laughs> that was that was pretty much the way. But there was also one with where they did the the uh, old fire to the face to the cowboy guy. They put yeah. flash powder and fire to the guy's face. They did that one there too. But uh, me and my friend Dave would go every week. We'd go see this. Eventually, I don't know what happened. They quit going there, so it just kind of went away. And you know, uh, I watch it, and uh, then I move and I continue to go to the Rosemont Horizon because I was still living there. But then we moved to Mount Morris, Illinois, when my father retired. And uh, wrestling was kind of sparse out here <laughs> at that time. And uh, I'd go to Rockford when I could. And uh, that was about it until uh, the mid-90s. I don't know what. I was doing something in LaSalle. Or towards the late 90s. Let me backtrack that a little bit. Towards the mid-90s, a friend of mine from the gym, like I said, lifting weights plays an important part to the story. A friend of mine from the gym had... Uh, was a huge wrestling historian for the uh, Inside the World of Olympic Wrestling. You know, the first day I met him, I thought he was having a heart attack because this guy trained like crazy, and he was sitting on the floor breathing, and that was kind of our inside joke because I came up and asked him if he was okay. But, you know, he, he raised his family and stuff in Dixon, and uh, we were just gym friends, gym buddies, and uh, he had gone back to his hometown in Iowa and opened up something with Dan Gable called the Wrestling Institute. He was involved, heavily involved with this thing called the Wrestling Institute. And they had opened up a professional wrestling hall of fame, George Tech, Luthez, George Teglios Hall of F Professional wow. Wrestling Hall of Fame in Newton. It was in Newton, Iowa originally. And I had, he had come back to Dixon for something and told me about it. And I'm like, well, this sounds awesome. They were having, there was this, there was also this thing called the Cauliflower Ear, Cauliflower Alley. Cauliflower Alley. It was a group of old wrestlers that would get together every year. This first year that they opened up this Dan Gable Institute in Newton, the Cauliflower Alley Club held their meeting there at the same time instead of Las Vegas. So they had every wrestler you could think of out of the AWA was there. Dr. X, he was walking around selling... Uh, Raffle tickets, which I missed by one number. <laughs> I could have had the Cauliflower Alley Club belt. I missed it by one number. And then... Uh, but you're not bitter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, no. Arn, what's Arn Anderson? The other... What's his name? Oh. Ole, Ander oh. Ole Anderson was there. Red Bastine. Uh, Mad Dog Vachon. Vern Gagne. The Baron. The Baron was there. Uh... You name it. Anybody in the AWA was there. Greg was, He was not there. Vern was there. Wow. Greg was wow. not there. Uh, so anyway, that was the first year I sat with uh, Ole Anderson for dinner that year. And uh, I had went, I, I had my thing, I stayed there a couple of days, got tons of autographs, and then I'm like, well, this is... I gotta go back to work now. <laughs> I gotta go back to going back to making garage doors. Uh, that was it was a pretty thrilling weekend though. And I'm like, wow. And so then again the next year, I went again, and uh, I was standing at the urinal, and uh, <clears throat> right next to my shoulder, 
I look over, it's Mad Dog Vachon. He bumped into me. I didn't know, at the time, I didn't know much about him. I didn't know he only had one leg. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Because then on the other side is Vergania. <laughs> so I'm like, this is interesting. So uh, I left there, and went to work, and I told this guy named Paul, I'm like, I'm like, man, you should see this up here. It's like wrestling paradise. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, they don't believe me. They don't believe me. So... Uh, I said, all right, you don't believe me? Come with me next year. I'll go again. So we went, and uh, Paul, we went up there, and he's like, he went. We didn't really interact with anybody because I was with him, and he had his girlfriend or something. And, was, and uh, he's like, this is awesome. This is awesome. He's taking pictures with everybody. this guy named Dick Hutton was there. and uh, Just all the old wrestler, Danny Hodge. Danny Hodge. Yeah. Uh, We'll tell a story about that in a minute. But uh, so after that, we came back and then we went back again the next year. And he just came with me by himself this this time. And uh, he goes, we're not leaving Mad Dog's side all day. I'm like, okay. So we went and uh, we hung out with Mad Dog and he kind of took a liking to us. I still don't know why, but he took a liking to us. And he said to Paul, or Paul said to him, he goes, why don't you give me your phone number? We'll set something up for you out here. And Mad Dog said to him, he goes, I don't give my phone number to nobody but Santa Claus. <laughs> and then uh, he said, here. I said, he said, I'll give you a picture. And on the picture, on the back of it, he wrote his phone number. Hmm. So uh, cool. Paul and I set up some stuff for him out here in uh, Rock Falls area. Paul did a lot of stuff at Rock Falls, but I was watching. I had gone to LaSalle. There was a company called RCW or something in LaSalle doing... There's some group called I-80 Wrestling, yeah. and they were going up and down LaSalle, or up and down 80, doing wrestling shows, and they were doing the show, and, and I found out about it, and so we got Mad Dog to come out that weekend with the wrestling show, and first Friday night, because they don't believe you when you tell them these stories, he came to Rainer. Came to Rainer Garage Doors to visit me in front of everybody, <laughs> which was fun and exciting. Wow. But then uh, the next the next night, we got a police escort from the LaSalle police to the wrestling show, and nobody knew we were coming. <laughs> and we just showed up at the wrestling show with the Mad Dog and poor Raven, the Raven, I don't, I don't Raven. He was there wrestling. He, that was his... What, like, which, what he, league was this? It was called RCW. Okay. I think it later on became Dreamwave. Okay. And uh, uh, we just kind of bootlegged in there, you know, and set up shop. He sold his shirts, and then we left. And poor Raven, he, he was probably going, what about me for real? <laughs> <laughs> what about me? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, <well>. guy. <laughs> Sorry, guy. But uh, <laughs> we were in town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, so, uh, I did another show with them up in, uh, Buda or Utica after they had the tornado, they had a, oh, yeah. a thing and I uh, brought Mad Dog. We didn't know it was a benefit show, but we kind of just went and did it there and then he went home and then he called us for a show in, uh, Who, Mad, Dog? And Mad Dog called us to go meet him in Muscatine, Iowa for a show. Cause I was like the, I was like his seller guy at right. the table taking the, taking care of the stuff and. Uh, we went up to Muscatine, and I was sitting between him and uh, Nick Bockwinkle. 
Yeah. And some guy named Z-Man, you know, a wrestler named Bad Z-Man. Zink, yeah, it? yeah, he was there, and he took a guy and slammed him on the table <laughs> in front of us. And uh, it was just, that was a pretty cool day. Mad Dog bought us pizza. I think Nick Bockwinkle wanted to go out for dinner, and Mad Dog just looks at me and goes, for those people who don't know, he just shook his head really fast. No, no, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't want to go to dinner with him, but he was saying no. And then... Uh, also, Nick Bachman was really excited that Rockford was doing uh, Las Vegas flights for $79. <laughs> so, even though he travels first class wherever he goes, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, Mad Dog took a turn. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he had some problems with his knee, and I didn't see him as much anymore. And then he passed away. So... That was my my mad dog story. It was it was some good times yeah, running around yeah. with him. I mean, how often do you get to how often as a wrestling fan do you get to hang out with one of the top wrestlers in the world and talk about stuff? And you know, we didn't talk a lot about wrestling matches and stuff. We just talked about stuff. And right, I don't, right. You know, it wasn't always tell me about when you were in the ring with uh, oh, right, the Crusher right, and right. this. And and I saw the poor guy every time somebody comes up to him. To sign an autograph. Hey, where's the crusher at? Every time, over and over, the poor guy has to answer every question over and over like that. So I kind of got to understand why people kind of run away when uh, they get noticed. But uh, anyway, so back to uh, you know doing my re- my uh, workout things and stuff, and you know, I'm, wrestling has always made me want to lift weights, like to get big and strong. Right. And uh, Mad Dog always told me to run, so I'd run a lot. And obviously, not as much right now, but I used to do this stuff. And uh, there was a kid at, at uh, who worked at Walmart who told me that there was a guy who's really with a ponytail who's really into wrestling that goes to the gym. So I was like, okay, well, I'll see him eventually. So I go into the, I go into my little gym in Polo, Illinois, and I say, hey, are you the guy that? <laughs> really into wrestling around here what did you say yeah i guess so yeah and 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 then i says uh did you wrestle for pwi no you told me you wrestled for pwi (laughs) and i'm like power wrestling with the zebra kid and you're like yeah and here we are and And then he's probably related to this guy over here (laughs) (laughs) so you know what is going on here you did you told me that he did yeah yeah that's crazy but uh no you were right 30 you're years right. later you yeah, showed me the picture with the mad dog oh yeah she yeah, showed me picture. those pictures they were cool from back i didn't really know him personally they yeah when he showed with him he was already done yeah uh well you know actually yeah probably before i got in i got in around 85 and he I was still watching wrestling a little bit, and he was teaming up with Gagne, I guess. Uh, I guess the yeah, That was people. the last of it. But I think that had to be before I started. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we used to see, uh, oh, we used to, I used to see Mad Dog at the Epithero. Yeah, we'd see him and his brother were champions. Now they used to wrestle Bruiser and Crusher. Uh, who else? Moose uh, Cholock. Yeah, that's Moose a... Cholock and Dick the Bruiser. Spider and Dick the Bruiser. Tell us a little bit about right. that... Uh, Loose wrestling, the Bob, Bob Loose wrestling. Well, I never worked for him, but Bob Loose, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know this, but uh, 
You had Moose Cholock, you had a tavern out in Indiana. You had Paul Christie. I don't know if you remember Paul Christie. No. And he had a girl with him, Bunny Love. But when Christie started, he was a clean guy, young guy. Yeah. Then later on in life, they made him a bad guy. Matter of fact, uh, he was Sergeant Jacques Goulet. I don't know if you remember that. No. He did wrestle in the AWA with Don Fargo. So that was, uh, uh, they were the Legionnaires. And uh, Oh, he's the guy that gets pushed over by Mad Dog when uh, I he think- comes out to tell him about... Uh, <laughs> Teaming up with Vern Gagne. Yes, I yeah, think that was yeah. It, yeah. I'll put that in. Everybody stay quiet for a second. Back to more action in just a moment. Sergeant Jacques Goulet, I wanted to bring you in. King Jerry Lawler out of Memphis, Tennessee. The man you're going to be facing here on the next big upcoming card. Jerry Lawler, the king. Who is the king? I'm going to tell you one thing. When I was in a... Ah, gee, what in the world? Mad Dog Vashon... My, this is great. more important than the announcement I have to make. It's more important. I finally convinced the Bird Gagne. Come here. Come here, Bird Gagne. I finally convinced him that Bird is the most important announcement of the century in wrestling. Bird Gagne accepted to be my partner. You have got to be kidding me. Right, you, you are can I get Vern Gagne? My word, come on in here. Is it true what this man says? Yes, Gene, I tell you, I've never been under such pressure. My, in the last 15 minutes, I've been under as much pressure all my life than I have. This, I've been like in a boiler and a cooker. With this man on my back and pulling out my tire, my father, my father. <laughs> he pointed out to me all the things oh. that have happened over the years here with these two people, Blackwell and Sheik, with the great situation in Drum and Brunzel. And what kind of a man I was I? What kind of a father was I? Am I gutless? Am I this? Am I yellow? And I just can't stand it. So, yes, I have consented to be the Mad Dog's partner against Blackwell and Sheik. And that's it, baby. What about Goulet? He just got floored here by Mad Dog Vashon. Talk about news, ladies and gentlemen. What a bombshell. Mad Dog Vashon getting Vern Gagne to team up with him to go against the Sheik and Jerry Blackwell. How, how? All right. Okay, we're good. All right, so I'm, I'm going to put that one in there because <laughs> that's one of my favorite ones. So, uh, yeah. Uh, tell us some more wrestling stories. Oh, okay. Uh, well, with Don Fargo, since I was a fan of his, didn't know he was Don Fargo when he was Jack Dillinger. This is in the 80s. So later on in my, uh, when I started working, probably a year after I was with the AWA in Vegas, they teamed me up with Don Fargo, who was Jack Dillinger, and he must have been either 60 or 60. Great shape, real small guy, still had a great body, still threw the elbows like he did for years against the guy. And our opponents that night was uh, Kurt Henning and Scott Hall. Okay, and uh, it was the first time I got in the ring with Scott. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, he, well, he, he, he kicked my ass at the end there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I, we work good. He's a, he's a great worker. Uh, he's got his own history, but um, it was a good match. And the first probably three minutes, we were kicking their ass. But uh, they were going for the championship. They were building up. They were champions before that. And they're a good team. There's no question they were a good team. Um, but uh, it's funny. I've had partners uh, 
license. I had a guy named Earthquake Ferris, okay? They were building him up. He was the guy that would bring, fix the ring, you know, help them. He's a big guy, about 350. Wrestling fans, get ready now for a ton of tag team wrestling action. Let me introduce to you, first of all, from Chicago, Illinois, 250 pounds, Mike Tolles. Tolles. His tag team partner comes to us from San Francisco, California. He weighs 375 pounds. He's Earthquake Ferris. And their opponents entering the arena at this time. At 246 pounds, from Robbinsdale, Minnesota, Kurt Hennig and his team partner, all six foot eight from Tampa, Florida, 293 pounds, Big Scott Hall. One fall, 20 minutes, your referee, Doug Gilbert. Well, certainly we've got a lot of beef in that ring in this tag team match. 627 total pounds for the team of Tolis and Ferris and 530 for Henning and Hall. That adds up to 1,157 in my book and anything and everything can happen. The action I'm sure is going to be fast and furious and this should be a dandy. Lord James Blairs. Rod, we can add Doug Gilbert to that. He raised around 240 put it all together and you've got a, a few tons in the ring but they're all in shape they can wrestle we're going to watch it now tag team action two men in two men out and away we go Kurt Hennig earthquake Ferris. they'll start it out they had a big block party for the earthquake in uh, Oakland when they had that terrific program several months ago June 28th to be matter of fact and he's got a lot of friends and fans in the Oakland area. Absolutely. Nice to meet his family. Quick move there by Kurt Hennig. Not only move, but moves a series of them very quickly by Kurt Hennig. In this combination, Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall, they are so very, very awesome looking, so very, very impressive. They can all wrestle too. I love that. Uh, uh, we call it a belly spin. See the takedown? Damn it. Earthquake Ferris, I believe, upset with himself. And that he is unable to contend with the quickness and the speed and the agility of Kurt Henning. Ferris trying to get something going. And he had it for just a moment. Kurt Hennig getting a bit riled. Hennig and Earthquake Ferris hook up. Ferris overpowering Hennig and forcing him into the corner. Clean break. 
I think that surprised Kurt Hennig just a tad in that Ferris refused the handshake of Kurt Hennig before this one started. Now, Earthquake has Hennig really, really tied up in that side headlock, but Hennig just muscles his way out of it and turns it into a, a wrist lock in his own favor. Grabbing of the hair by Earthquake Ferris. Got a quick look there at, and there you see it again, Mike Tolis. Mike out of Chicago, Earthquake from San Francisco. Kurt Hennig, Robbinsdale, Minnesota, Scott Hall, Tampa Bay, Florida. So we have them from all over the United States, and that is the AWA, the Major League of Professional Wrestling, as Scott Hall is tagged in now and goes to work on Earthquake Ferris, grinding away with that side headlock. Muscular, powerful Scott Hall. Oh, what a collision. What a shoulder block. Scott Hall on Earthquake Ferris. And you saw who and what gave. Ferris says time out and time in for Mike Tolis. Tolis now with Scott Hall. Tolis at 252, Scott Hall at 290. And Scott Hall going to work. He is totally awesome. Totally awesome. He certainly is. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to mention one thing to you. Coming up, you're going to see the Midnight Rockers. They really should not be wrestling in this match coming up this evening because last week they were really worked over badly by the World Tag Team Champions, uh, Pretty Boy and the Playboy. So they are taking, the, it's a risk that they're going to take. They're going to be in the match coming up. So hang on to your hats. Don't turn off your TV. I know you're not going to do anyway, but keep it on this station because you're going to be seeing two really courageous young men, the Midnight Rockers, who have been mauled by two other men going two men a week ago. And you know who they are, the World Tag Team Champs. Uh, they're going to team up with Blackwell against Barbarian, Boris, and Ali Khan. And there's going to be the Sheik outside the ring. It's going to be a real a Bobby Dazzler. So it's coming up. Hang on and don't go away. As Lord James Blears has mentioned, that is going to be war from the very, very start. Most likely before the bell ever rings on that one, all hail Columbia is going to break loose. What? Do Scott Hall and Kurt Henning have planned here? Well, you saw what they had planned for Mike Tolis. Tolis taking lots and lots of punishment. First of all, from Hall. Then from both Hall and Henning. Now from Henning. But he bangs away and he tags in Earthquake Ferris. And Ferris firing away. He's caught his breath and hammers Kurt Henning three times. Ferris comes after Henning and Kurt got out of the way. Fortunately, he got out of the way. I don't know, I got a kind of a funny feeling, uh, Rod, that Henning and his partner, they're not kind of jiving in the tagging. They're not tagging out at the right time. Maybe I'm wrong. I, this is an ex, not an expert, but as a former. Well, that I believe would be, be an excellent observation. No, I, I don't like to. They really have not been back together again all that long. Yeah, maybe that's Because what of it the is. injury to yeah. Scott Hall. Okay, that's probably what it is. Meantime, as we're talking, Kurt Hennig is taking punishment, punishment galore, but then he dishes out some of his own with that front atomic drop on Mike Tolis. 
outside headlock here. Tolis on Hennig. Hennig gets away and bombs away. Well, we're seeing Tolis. He's no relation, I'm sure, but the Tolis brothers, they were another tag team combination. What a suplex and a cover and almost a count of three, but Earthquake Ferris comes in to stop it. You know, the Earthquake comes in with that kind of a little grin on his face, but he's really... He's really a terrific guy, but he really wants to get in there and, do, and uh, win that match. And, he, and he's, uh, he's not fooling around, I'll tell you. Door. Okay, here comes the big man. The tag was on. Was it necessary at that time? Maybe it was. Yeah, they're working together now. Indeed, oh. are they ever working together? The double elbow smash by Henning and Hall. And flat on his back is Mike Tolis. Scott Hall decides not to pin him there to dish out some more punishment. And there's the big back body drop. Scott Hall at six feet, eight inches tall. Pumps his man high into the air and he comes crashing to the canvas. And now he hammers away. And now the side headlock. Across the ring they go, the Bulldog. And can Tolis possibly come out of this? Count of one, two, and three. It is all over. Ferris tried to come in. But Kurt Henning took care of the earthquake. And Scott Hall took care of Mike Tolis. And the match goes to the former tag team champions of the world, who may be destined to be that again someday. Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall, let's take a look. Here it is, the big bulldozer, the bulldog. Bingo. That's how you knock a cow down in the wild, wild west. He waited a little bit too long there, but now grabs his man, holds the leg, cinches it up. There goes the big earthquake. And there was an earthquake in California resulting from that. I'm just kidding, but uh, Kurt Henning wasn't. The winners, there they are. And we'll be right back. 40, big guy. Uh, and I wrestled in a tag team with him. It was him and uh, the guy we're not supposed to bring up his name again. Well, we aren't talking about <laughs> okay. it. Well, anyway, it's a wrestler who shall not be named. Build, they, were, they were building him up uh, to be, you know, be a contender probably for the title again all of a sudden they're teaming him up with me and he's pissed he's pissed because he doesn't know why he was a good guy why they're making him a bad guy you know i don't care i don't give a shit about that anyways to make it short uh we fought henning and uh scott hall this was in nebraska again so uh with him it was 350 you knew when you see this fight and i have it i don't know if i have it here uh there must have been a beef between him and Henning and even Hall. Hall, Hall just got there. Uh, they were having problems with Ferris. Too bad because could, we could have did a better job. We worked them over a little bit, but uh, you could tell there was stuff going on, which I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Personal stuff. Uh, and so at the end there, after uh, Scott Hall gave me the bulldog and pinned me, <laughs> my partner was already in it. Dressing room, <laughs> and I'll tell you this: they don't. If you're in this business, you don't do that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the fight uh, match, uh, Kurt Henning grabbed me and pulled me to the side, introduced me to Scott Hall. Actually, I met him already before, but did that again, and just told me, uh, "When you're in the business, you don't do what the other guy did." He actually screwed the match up. Not that we, because see, when I wrestled for. Anybody, I nine out of ten times uh, we don't sit down and they say the choreographic. Well, I'm not going to get into that, but usually with my matches, 
we didn't do that. We, you know, you know who who's going to be where, who's who's getting built up. Like I said, there's a lot of guys in business never make it that could be champions. Okay, it's just there's so much competition. Uh, I never complained. It is what it is. I dealt with my stuff, and I, you know, but uh, that's why I say there's guys in business that. Uh, you know, they're building you up. Next thing, they want to do something else with you. And really, you can't, you know, get into beefs with the promoters and that. Uh, if you want to work with me, uh, I give them, they see, I work for this company. They see what I've done. Uh, they'll come see me at the gym. They'll check you out. And then they, they'll either give you a contract or sign you for 10 matches or whatever. It's it's different. Uh, when I would go do TV shows for Ghana, here's the thing people understand. Most people, I think, somebody, uh, we could do three, four matches a night for TV. And so that was the hardest thing. I mean, you know, you wrestle five minutes and you got to go back in another five minutes. And, you know, a half hour later, you got to go back in there and you could be fighting the biggest guys. It doesn't matter. But, you know, you got to, that's why it's, it's a tough business if you want to make it, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the AWA had a lot of great guys. And Pro uh, Wrestling International had some great guys too. And a lot of those guys, did work for Vermont. Yeah. You know, uh, Sonny Rogers. Actually, Sonny Rogers was probably the first guy that started training me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, like when you were training, you told me you were in the ring 45 minutes. That's crazy. <laughs> because when you first get into business, it depends on what kind of ring you're in. If it's a ring that bounces a little bit. I was trained in a ring that didn't bounce much. And we would go home and a lot of guys didn't come back because... They, their backs, their knees, everything was screwed up. When I got done training there at that place, and I would go, I don't know if I'm coming back, my back, my knees, and I stayed with it. Then as soon as I got into the AWA, world class, their rings were so, you could I, I could play in those rings all day <laughs> compared to the ring I was trained in. So that ring really did me a favor. It was so hard. Uh, that's why when you when you work in that kind of a ring, and I'm sure there's some people that have lousy rings like that, make sure your feet, when you're being body slammed, you can't, you've got to make sure your feet hit the ground because it's like being thrown on the sidewalk. I can relate. If you want to look bad and then leave with your back screwed up, go do that. Yeah. But the reality is you've got to protect yourself. That ring was terrible. A lot of young guys, 18-year-old kids, would come into Russell High School. And it was three or four that came one weekend. They didn't come back because the same problems I had with it. You know, your back, you know, it would take two, three days for it to, you know, it was so stiff. And I was in my, my 30. I wasn't even, I mean, you yeah. know. So I could, you know, that ring did help. Um, Pro Wrestling International, for me, was great. Because uh, when I worked for Vern, and Vern had me in these pretty good matches. A lot of times I was in some good matches. Sometimes, you know, it's the business. But... Uh, and then I wrestled for them, and they got me teaming up with all these guys that wrestled uh, for different leagues, NWA. Because I worked for the NWA, too, for a real short time. Yeah. But they would call me in to do house shows, which was great. I worked for the Ron Ericks. I worked for uh, the WWF for a very short time because working with them. And here's the thing. You could work with them, and they may not use you. And they're still paying you, which is great. But I wanted to work. So I would work, though. They had me three matches. I worked three matches. They had me go back, and I noticed uh, they had me do the same guys. But I noticed some guys never got back in the ring, but they're getting paid. I mean, that's cool, too, because yeah. who does that? 
But in the same thing, if you want to get in this business, I wanted to run. I wrestled Putsky, Junkyard Dog. He's dead. Uh, he's passed away. Yeah. Um, of course, I wrestled Shawn Michaels, Gennetti. Um, who else? Jerry Blackwell. And if you don't guys know Jerry Blackwell, 450 yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sure is. He's <laughs> shorter than me. And he's like this. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had some. I wrestled uh, Tommy Rich. I don't know if you guys know Tommy yeah, Rich. Yeah, uh, I wrestled Adrian Adonis. Oh. oh, but when he was like a woman, you know, with yeah. the dress and all that, because yes. he was great That's shape. Adorable, he was, he was a great <laughs> shape. I don't know what made him go like The that. flower shop. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I wrestled Greg Gagne a couple of times. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, I, I wrestled some guys that have been, uh, the Road Warriors never wrestled them. They're bad dudes, though. Yeah. But the thing with them was, when I, when I wrestled for the NWA, they were there, and I met them, and I talked to them. Uh, I thought that animal was Greek because the last name yes. is I-S, like a Greek name, but no, they're, I think, uh, not Romanian, Ar Armenian, Armenian, uh, it's the same as Greek, it's just a different language, but, uh, yeah, Hawk was there, he was in great shape, but, you know, those guys had problems too, they were the best, one of the best tag teams. That's why, you know, uh, for me, growing up watching wrestling, my champions in the AWA would have been Ivan Koloff and Superstar Graham. I would have had them as tag champions. They were like the Road Warriors in the past. Yes. Yeah. And I, I saw uh, uh, Ivan Koloff wrestle Gagne a few times. I thought they should have put him as champion. He beat San Martino. Yeah. And that match, you can huh. see it. It's, you know. Well, San Martino, the thing about it, he had an injury. And the true story is, this is a true story, he had an injury. I'm not sure he was supposed to lose, but if you read his life story, because he has it online, you can see he talks about Koloff. Yeah. He said he had an injury, and Koloff, he said, landed on him, uh, and he felt it. And now he's not sure if it was intentional or it was the injury, but he was so hurt. He just didn't move. He let him pin him. So it, I, I'm not too sure how that went, but if you read the story from Bruno, he had an injury, and I guess he might have jumped on him and re-injured it, and he just said, well, yeah. but uh, never knew Koloff was a Canadian. He was never Russian. You know, I saw <laughs> he had a story come on. He told people. Uh, uh, and who else? I think Mad Dog mentioned that once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the funny thing, we talk about Red Bastion, Red Lions. Now, Red Lions, Russell, Dr. X, and they both had figure fours. A lot of people don't know that Red Lions was his brother-in-law. You know, so there's a lot of stuff, you know, that's, in the, that's interesting, you know? Yeah. Uh, Mad Dog and Koloff won the championship in Japan as a tag team. And then they wrestled each other. Yeah. They had to fight each other. But that's a good, that's a... I, I enjoy that. They win it, and then they get into beef, and yeah, sure. we got two of the top guys at that time. So right. uh, it's a big draw. Yeah, yeah. Well, Billy Robinson, another guy. He's a great guy. He trained a lot of. He trained Ric Flair, Ken Patera. He oh. trained a lot of those guys because Ric Flair came from the AWA. He was a three hundred pound lifter. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. lost the weight. And he was smart. What he did, mm -hmm. he wanted to go an hour. He wanted to be able to go an hour or more. <clears throat> where most of the big guys after ten fifty, they're, mm. yeah. they're a little tired. But uh, and uh, he just came out of the hospital, so I'm not sure what's with him. Uh, I'm not too sure who's left anymore. Look, uh, Blackwell's dead. Jerry Blackwell passed. Yeah. Kurt Henning's dead. Who else uh, that I wrestled died? Uh, I can't think right now. I usually have 10 guys on my head. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Uh, 
Well, Buck Zumoff is probably dead. <laughs> we oh, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, Buck uh-huh. uh-huh. hey, That's a tragedy there. <laughs> yeah, it is. He had the world in his hand, this guy. Yeah. And he threw it away. God, what a, it's just a shame. He was thrilled chosen getting 400 or 500 people to show. And he was he, doing them in Freeport. That's what, uh, I saw the tape where he, did he dress like a woman? Uh, Mad Dog told me that he dressed put, like because I yeah. saw a guy come out. It looks like him. He dressed like a woman. He had a blonde wig. Yeah, what yeah. Heck, <laughs> we can't talk about that. Guy. No, Jim, I, gonna, we're gonna cut off that book and have Jim tell his story. All right, come on, All right, Jim, Jim, tell your story. Uh, <laughs> where where do I go from there? Include oh. from beginning to end the whole from the hangover. Oh, no. Until we get there. Oh, geez. I want the whole story. I'll go even a little further back because <laughs> this sort of needs explaining. Okay. Uh, you know, I hadn't been working out for a long time, and I decided to start working out again. And uh, went down to the, the gym. Was uh, well, so, so I got back in shape and started getting bigger and stuff again. And uh, my partner wasn't there one day, and, you know, I was doing a bench press. So I'm looking around the gym. I'm thinking, okay, I need a spotter, you know, at least for one or two lifts. Like, who's who's gonna give me a spot in here? And I see Mike, Mike on the elliptical. Right? Were you swinging the sword? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I was going pretty fast though. So <laughs> we'll thing, talk. We'll explain that later. <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> Obviously, this is a story about, you know, meeting Mike. And uh, he says that we met because I we were talking about uh, Conan the Barbarian. Yes. We got to know it's yeah. one yeah. of each of our favorite movies for one reason or another. Yeah. And then so he says that that was the bond, like Conan yes. and uh, Steel. <laughs> you know? the riddle of Steel, you know it, boy. So that's how we met. But I think it was a little earlier... Like I said, I was looking for somebody to spot me, and I see Mike over there, and I said, hey, can you give me a spot? You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, you know. And uh, I get under the bar. I'm starting to do my lift, you know, and it's the reason I need a spot in there just in case, and I'm going heavyweight, high reps. I'm on number seven, and I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, I got two more to go, and I got this. And all of a sudden, <laughs> a drop of sweat, a drop of sweat, because Mike was on the elliptical and he's sort of a sweaty guy anyways, in the in right when I started to having to push real hard, sweat hits me. I'm like, what was that? And I'm a type of guy, you know, that, you know, I don't like touching dirty things, this and that. Oh my God. And here's another dude. Here I just go. asked this guy, hey. Give me a spot. And I was regretting it already. <laughs> so I got, it was only like the set number seven uh, rep in, in the set. So I got it up. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, there goes my concentration. And as I'm going down for number eight, I think another piece of sweat hit me. And I put it up and I just racked it. And I'm like, all right, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I can tell you that. You were not the first person that happened to. Oh, wow. The first person that happened to the sweat. Is it Gary? Because he, no, I'm, no. I'm still here. I, the first, I like the first drop of sweat went into the guy's <laughs> mouth because he went, oh. he take a breath and it landed right in his mouth. And I was just like, 
Okay. <laughs> uh, well, it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, so basically, okay, I met Mike that way. And, uh, you know, we uh, we would see in the gym, long story short, he's telling me uh, about Conan and about wrestling. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, you lived in Chicago. So, you know, our families at one point lived within, you know, half a mile or something from each other. And we both moved out to the country, just like that's how Mike met yeah. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, long story short, he told me about wrestling, and then he was going to go to uh, the wrestling wrestling Hall of Fame, and uh, his buddy Mad Dog, Sean, was going to be there, and how we're going to sit with him at the table, and it was all set up. And I was like, uh, "Oh, really? Okay, well, yeah, that'd be cool to do," you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I wasn't too sure about him, how well he knew Mad Dog. I found out later and a lot more. But uh, we set the date and we were supposed to go. Mike's, Mike had a Jeep convertible at the time. And uh, we were going to drive out there with the top down the whole way. And I had been out and I had a few drinks the night before. And I barely had any day. sleep, right? <laughs> So he calls me up, or I call him up, and he's like, hey, you still coming? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it was going to be cool. But I was supposed to, how long was the ride? A couple well, hours? Two hours. Two hours, two, okay. Three hours, somewhere in there. You know, we, we got some food at Burger King, and after that, all I can remember is what, passing out. You know, <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Mike. Two sorry, hours, I can't up. even do this right now. <laughs> you woke up. <laughs> so it's a summer day, you know, I'm already... <laughs> You know, I, I need to get some air, even more air than what was already going over the convertible, right? So I probably had my shirt off. I think I didn't want to wrinkle it, right? Yes. Yeah. I wanted to look good. <laughs> oh, boy, did I look good. I wake up after being passed out for maybe an hour. I wake up to a semi, like, beeping its horn. And then a pair of somebody's wheels off the road making a big noise, like, you know, off the side of the road. And I wake up to that. I'm like, ready to have a heart attack. And I'm like, yeah. So, you know, we're listening to what? You guys are listening to shaky subject matter. There's a reason why shaky's in there. I found out they called him shaky because his hands shake a little bit. So, oh, yeah, he scared me with his uh, shaky driving there. And uh, he starts laughing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's real funny, huh, huh, buddy? Yeah, even worse. But it wasn't because the semi, he almost ran us into a semi. It wasn't because I woke up almost having a heart attack. It's because the top was down, and I and <laughs> we've been driving for another hour, and the sun was just beating down on the I one side of my face because I was pretty much passed out. So even within an hour, you know, oh, wow. I got dark skin anyway, but I had such a red burn, I guess. Wow. And he's laughing because of that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's still laughing. Oh, you know. Oh, that's funny. So we're... Oh, we're he's crying. He's wiping away tears. Oh, that's good to know. I'm getting to know Mike's personality, and I'm still not sure yeah. if I like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And, oh, uh, rough crowd. We're, we're headed out to Iowa. We finally get there. We're in the parking lot. We were talking about wrestling on the way up, you know. Uh, stuff like we're talking about today, so it was right. fun, and and I know I'm going to get to meet some wrestlers, this and that, and we're in the parking lot, and 
uh, how, how did it, I mean, you got to help me out with the story. It's been a while now, but we were waiting for Mad Dog. Baron was there. Baron was there. Yeah. So I guess I want to sort of sum it up how the way I felt when we were out there, I guess, because I can't remember all the details specifically. But uh, I guess it was the Baron in the parking lot. Mike goes up up there and greets the Baron, and he's like, yeah, we're just waiting for... Uh, Mad Dog. Yeah, what, what's his... Maurice. Name? Maurice, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maurice. So we're waiting for Maurice, yeah. you know, because they're on a name-to-name basis. Yeah, and, you know, as the time progressed throughout that morning, you know, Mad Dog finally shows up, and Mike helps him get ready, you know, because they already planned this out. And I'm thinking, wow, yeah, we're going to spend the whole day with this guy. And I remember watch when I was younger watching him. He was one of my favorite wrestlers, but so was um, his tag team partner, uh, the, the Baron. Bear. The Baron, yeah, because of the claw. Yeah, I, that's something you know. If you've seen it, well, you're gonna it. it's gonna stay yeah. in your mind when you're a little kid. Yeah, it's like wow, the claw, the claw. And uh, <laughs> the whole time here I am with these guys, it's like oh, this is really cool, you know. And yeah, I, no, I mean uh, that's great. I think that's great. Yeah, and. You know, so uh, we went in the, we went inside the Hall of Fame, and I see all these uh, wrestlers. A lot of them old timers, but then a lot of the new ones coming up to pay respects to uh, oh. Mad Dog. Everybody was, so it was cool because you knew this guy was a special guy. Oh, you know, there's right. a lot of history yeah, well, with like those that. guys, the Baron and Mad Dog. And uh, before you know it, we're Mike's pushing Mad Dog down the, you know. The hallway. I mean, he probably could walk at the time, but it was easier for somebody just to move him. Yeah. So it's Mad Dog in the in the wheelchair, Mike behind him pushing him, and I'm right to the side of Mike, and we're coming down, and all these wrestlers are coming up to us. But on the other end of the hallway was uh, Bret Hart, and I remember hating this guy when I was younger. <laughs> you know, really? Oh, big time. But he grew on me more and more. You know, he was a great wrestler. And I think even though I didn't know what made him so good, like his greatness in the ring somehow, you know, uh, made me realize, yeah, there's something about this guy. And, you know, this was after he was retired already. And, yeah, like he yeah. became champion and like, wow, this guy well, well, made did, something did, out of uh, him. All so. the wrestling league in Canada. That's right. They yeah. had a whole family. So it was, what, three of them, four of them? And plus Jim Nanville was yeah. related to him. So he was mm-hmm. up there too. Yeah. So these guys were both from, you know, Montreal, yeah, I believe. Yeah, and of course, Bret Hart's going to come up and say, say hi to uh, Maurice. Yeah. And uh, as he's doing it, before uh, Maurice could even introduce us, Bret Hart asked, he's like, about me and Mike. It's oh, like, oh, who are the boys? Like, <laughs> and, and so, That's just so awesome. we tell this story. Me and Mike tell the story all the time. And we always say, yeah, and Bret Hart wanted to know who we were. <laughs> we weren't meeting him. He wanted to meet us in a way. What so our, our connection to Mad Dog, you know, and the way that all entailed, that was great. I mean, Mike, you want to elaborate well, yeah, on they, that? That was just, the, the, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he said, uh, "Oh, are these boys? Are the boys from Nebraska?" Yeah, because we were. Yeah, yeah, he associated what us with Mad Dog. Yeah, yeah. and because of Mike's friendship, yeah, we were. I that just, day we were. You no, know, I was just friends with the guy. I, I don't know how it really happened. We just. You know, you meet people and you got a yeah, certain liking sure, for them, sure. and it just clicks. That's all it was. Do you remember uh, that day, though? Uh, you were probably thinking, oh, here's Jim. 
he might believe me, he might not, you know. No one because, ever no one ever believes yeah. my stories. <laughs> you must have been thinking, oh, <laughs> he's... Yeah, you got evidence. Yeah. 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 Um, so... Well, I mean, they had to hang out with somebody. Yeah. I mean, there were people like yeah. anybody else. Well, later on oh, yeah. later on that night, we went to... Oh, my God. The, the, uh, it was in a hotel with a pool, and the air conditioner broke. It was... I went out. I went out and spent seventy-five hard-earned American dollars on a polo shirt, long-sleeve polo shirt for this dinner. Got into the best shape of my life. Got all these fancy clothes so I could hang out in this thing. And I was stripped down to a t-shirt, walking around in a t-shirt because it was so hot in the place. Oh, that was that's something that I remember that I was very upset about. I wore that I wore that shirt for exactly fifteen minutes, and it's still in the. Still in the closet to this day. Uh, yeah, sure. There was also there's also a guy up there named Dan Hodge, yeah. who uh, he likes to show you wrestling holds, and uh, oh. I got I got to know this man and a little bit, not like I knew Mad Dog, right. but he talked to me and we talked and the thing, and uh, he put little holds on us all the time, and he put a he put the headlock, headlock on me. That was the first, he put the headlock on me. And he just pressed. He said, first he said, "This is it," because he has a soft, he has a soft voice. And then he said, "Okay, this is the amateur headlock." And they said, "All right, now I'm going to show you the professional." And then he goes like this, and my jaw's on the other side of the room, and my head's right here in his hand. I'm like, "Stop, stop, stop!" And, I'm like, and my jaw hurt for like three or four weeks. Oh, after yeah, that, yeah. and then uh, then I'm like, uh, so that was the thing. Every year he'd show me a different hold. So then he put me, he put me in an armbar. And well, he was a real, real wrestler. He yeah, was oh, one of the top guys. Horrible, horrible pain. Oh, I can imagine. Because <laughs> he pain. trained guys too. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. what he did. Well, he won run. the gold. Sure. He won the he Golden was. Gloves and the Silver Medal in the Olympics the same year. This guy. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And you so, let him put holds on you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> ask Jimmy. Yeah. Tell, tell him your first impression. Well, I believe you. I'm no, wait, he why. Got, no, he got one. He got his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's another Personal story about special. Mike laughing at my expense. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same day now. Show him the wrist lock, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we walk up to Dan Hodge, and before you know it, Dan's like, hey, Mike, how's it going, you know? And Mike says, oh, meet my friend Jim. And uh, Dan Hodge got a big smile on his face. Yeah, you know, because yeah. the very next thing he does yeah. when meeting somebody is he wants to show off, you know? Well, hey, that's probably what he's doing to see. Yeah. Yeah, well, these guys are younger than me. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And he, Mike told me a story about Dan and keeping walnuts in his pocket. Yeah. So, hey, go ahead. Uh, Luthez had a boat or something, and uh, he brought his wife, his new wife, to meet him. And uh, Dan Hodge picked up the walnuts and crushed, crushed them and said, you want some walnuts? <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, no, that's so, a- that's what we think the Baron would do. Yeah, yeah. Because he's got huge hands. Oh, that guy was strong. Yeah, he was. Uh, but we went. We, well, yeah, so. <laughs> but you know, he was a collegiate wrestler. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm sure he trained with Baron. 
Oh yeah, uh, Dan, Dan he wanted in, to. He was in. He was in the right. wrestler too. He, they put his picture up in the oh, wrestler. Oh, right, at, right. At that part when they were talking about. Go ahead, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, so uh, he, you know he wasn't gonna. I guess he did that for the ladies with the walnuts, but instead of that, he, he do asked, pliers and apples too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he asked he asked me if I wanted to see how an arm bar is done. He said, "No, oh, give me your hand." I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't." And then he's like, "Oh, just." <laughs> Come here, I'll just show you how to do yeah, it. You show it to you. You gotta watch out for that guy. So, uh, well, Mike. You're putting it out. Watch I, it. Because <laughs> he's still alive. Yep. Yeah. Wow. yeah you he's know, still I'm, around. He was an older guy back then. I'm, yeah, no, and, he was probably not even wrestling when you guys. No, no, he no. Was, no. I think he was coach for Oklahoma for a while, too. Well, that's where I think he came from, didn't he? Yeah. You so, know, he, he, he's, I don't know, maybe an inch shorter than I am. At the time, he probably weighs 50 pounds less than me. He's an older guy. I'm thinking, okay, here's my hand. But I knew there was something up because Mike kept laughing. And Dan had a smile, a smirk on his face. <laughs> he's like, no, no, don't worry. Just here, here. And he's like, no, just relax. Let me get it in good. <laughs> and then he started applying pressure. And, wow, I tell you what, I, I could feel it. And he kept doing it more and more. I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to let this guy do this to me. So... The worst thing I could have done was no, I know, that fight is the worst back. Thing done, even for if I did that, it would be the worst thing. No, so, you're right. He wasn't pulling up anymore than at least I was holding back. But you know what? He finally was like, okay, that was probably enough. I, I, I got him good. And and I didn't think anything of it. And I felt okay. It was just the next you know day. a little. It wasn't even the next day. <laughs> I tell you what. The pain I had in my arm, like two days later, wow. was so severe in my wrist, and uh, I could I couldn't lift for about a month. Certain push exercises, right, right. not even a month, because uh, no, he, it was still healing from he strained. It. Yeah, it was strained so bad. But the thing is, it didn't hurt when he was doing it, really. But like yeah, the next two days, so. Yeah, no, that guy, uh, you got to respect somebody like that. You said the golden gloves and wrestling medals in the Olympics. Yeah. Very cool guy, very nice people. I was going to say the Baron was nice. He called me a pretty boy. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wow. (laughs) I was like, and that's another story that I bring back and tell people. I'm like, I was called a pretty boy by the Baron. (laughs) Real nice guys, but uh, Mike told me, uh, don't let them fool you. Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you got any uh, thing else you want to throw in? Well, we got wrestling coming uh, tonight in Polo. Yeah, we're gonna go to wrestling tonight. Yeah. Adult wrestling. Uh, Gary, I just want to say something that uh, not I'm not trying to disclude you, but here you okay. got three guys triangled right here in the chairs, all from the same neighborhood, almost in Chicago. Yeah. Now. I think you're in your 40s now, aren't you, Jim? Yes. I'm in my 40s. <laughs> Please don't say that. I'm in my 40s. I'm still in my 40s. I got a couple years left. Uh, and Mike. 62. 62. But 30 years later from the time we were in the city, we're here in Polo, Illinois. How does that happen? You know? How does how do things well, like that happen? That's just weird. Well, well I mean, it's... Uh... And, yeah, I just and, oh, it's uh, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, who who in their right minds would know who the zebra kid is? 
Right. Thirty right. years later. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know, yeah, and where where are those guys? That's a good question. I know Terry passed. Yeah. Terry Shaw. Terry played with the 49ers, but this is how he got into football. When they had their strike years ago, remember they had a strike? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then they hired other guys. When yeah. They hired him, and I think he, he played, if I'm correct, two years. But he was a lineman. Well, he was 310 pounds, and, but his knees, they had two years for him. Football and here he is here, and he would wrestle with his knees like that. Yeah, I saw him wrestling. Uh, Me, yeah, it was you, and he's just he. I he, mean, he does that clothesline. Yeah, right, right. I mean, uh, actually, the match went too quick. Uh, but his head is like I threw. I threw his head into the turn into the metal part. Uh, but his head has already been opened up so many times. Yeah, it it just opened up. Now, I don't think it's because he went, I threw him and he went, you know, 50 miles an hour. Mm. But I, if you look at the tape, like, yeah. you know, because out there, you got people right next to you watching. You don't want to make it too, uh, uh, we're not trying to kill each other, but Terry is a type of guy, uh, wrestled, wrestled the Baron. Yes. I think he wrestled the Baron and Baron, of course, won, you know, he went over on, but there's a thing where they got mad at Terry because he, 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 he clotheslined uh, the Baron a couple of times. You know, we could always ask him. Yeah. Because that was a story I heard from all those guys. And uh, he clotheslined hard. Yeah, I saw it. Oh. I just watched it a half hour ago before you got here in oh. your match. He doesn't, he just. No, but see, he, he puts it in. Yeah. He doesn't care. But then again, you know, who knows? You know, he was a college football player. He did get to the pros for a couple of years. Uh, you know. Uh, and he, but he was the. the the guy that ran the league, him and the Razor. Yes. So, I only had one shot at his title, and uh, yeah, nobody won. I mean, he could have gone over. Yeah. I, 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 if you see the match, it what didn't last long. You probably you saw it. I just saw it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but Terry's a guy that you know he'll he'll put him in there. He'll really hit you, man. <laughs> I tell you, the other guy that was. Wahoo McDaniel before we, you know, I don't yeah. know how long we got left, but we got Wahoo told me the first time I, because I, I wrestled him four or five times. The first time he said to me, I'll tell you, this is a funny story, but it wasn't funny for me. He says, I'm going to put him in. He, he When he hits you, it's like uh, he, he hits you in the chest the whole place. You can hear Dummy, yeah. okay? And he puts him in. Dummy me, I say <laughs> dummy me, that day went to, was it to, Hotel, out by the swimming pool, fell asleep, got burnt. <laughs> and I'm wrestling him. And I says, oh, you got to be kidding me. And that match, they've showed that even uh, uh, on the other show, the two guys are showing matches. You told me you told me. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we fought in the beginning. Uh, I worked him over a little bit. Uh, he's a veteran. He's been around. Uh, and he, he doesn't give you too much. So whatever you do to him, you make sure you... You work him good because he, you know, he'll get he gets pissed. But he's a veteran. Yeah. But he told me I'm going to put him in, so I knew. Oh, this is going to be tough. So that match, as red as I was <laughs> when I got done, my whole body looked complete. <laughs> but uh, and I wrestled him four times after that couple of tag teams. And uh, for an older guy, though, I mean, he, he he still does good. I mean, still, but he must have been. A, I was, what, 30? He must have been 50 or 50s. Yeah. But, you know, most of those guys passed. That's another guy who passed away, Jerry Blackwell. Yeah. Kurt Hanning, a lot of guys that wrestled passed away. Have you? Jerry Schultz passed. Uh, 
What's the biggest match you ever did? Uh, the biggest? Well, uh, I had a few of them. I think the the match, even though uh, was uh, my best match were a couple on the AWA, Jerry Blackwell, mm-hmm. because I we had it went back and forth for a while. I hope I did not. Well, oh, it went yes. back and forth. Big my guy. He's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a hard guy to move because he's so yeah. big. Uh, but I worked him real good, and uh, then he started kicking me around a little bit. And then I got back at him, and he let it go, and we went back at it. Of course, you know, uh, he won, and uh, you know, he's, you know, he's been in every league, the WWF, uh, whether he was there, NWA, wherever, Florida, he's always been a, you know, a, a main event guy. So he's, you know, for a guy that big, he, he could move around a little bit, you know, for a big guy that big. But uh, he died. I didn't realize he passed away. He was only in his 40s in a car crash or something. Uh, yeah, I think it was a car crash. Like Adrian and Adonis died yeah. in a bus crash. And so, you know, I mean, uh, but I think my, to, to be honest, I think my best match is when I went to the uh, world class because I was main event for a little bit for them. Yeah. Only three matches, but I was with Wild Boar when we we didn't get to the championship because uh, I think world class was ending. Yeah. Okay. So, but uh, that uh, that was good. I mean, uh, I knew him from the AWI. I never worked with them, but uh, and his brother passed away. Had a brain tumor died. So, anyways, uh, those are my experience. Kurt Henning was great. We had a great match with him. But Kurt Henning, remember those guys were in the ring at least ten years before I got there, and they've done everything. I was doing. It. Yeah, they worked their way up, yeah. and they deserved it. So, you know, there's no crying here. I think, uh, <clears throat> like you, I wish you had worked with pro wrestling with us, because you wouldn't have been in ring 45 minutes the first day. Yeah, you know, they they would they the first thing they would well, have done with you. I was the only one that showed up, so I don't <laughs> think I had a choice. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. The show. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> to be honest, because 45 minutes is. Uh, that's that's just for somebody that just started. Yeah. You what we did first? We uh, would do shoulder blocks. You know, you would run to the court, knock you. Up, yeah. And you work it together where it finally would work. Uh, but we didn't sit there for a match, forty-five minutes, uh, and try to kick you know each other's ass. Especially, I don't know what kind of ring you were in. The ring I was in, you couldn't go probably ten minutes. Yeah. The most. Yeah. Without something happening is well, terrible, something right? happened. <laughs> no, no, I know, and, but I think that's because uh, you were in there too long. Yeah, hey, Mike, I, I, I got to ask you. So, you sort of hinted on this before uh, how you got into wrestling. I know when I was a younger kid, I was I wanted to be a wrestler, and I'm thinking, well, where do you go to do this? You know what I did? Well, how, for the schools, how do, find, it, how do you get a job? You, you know, know what I did when I was younger? Because I was I was very skinny. I was kind of lean, but skinny. I went and got into these park districts would have. Uh, tournaments. That was up in Chicago. Right, Horner oh. Park and stuff like that. Okay. You know, and even Mather, where I went to high school, uh, they had a part, the park district there had wrestling. Matter of fact, the first people I wrestled with the football team had me against this guy in Australia, Paul Lyman. <laughs> and, you know, he beat me, but what I did, I just stayed on my stomach and he tried to turn me over and I moved. And, of course, he finally got me because I was so skinny and that yeah. day. But I just wanted to, you know, see where I can go. But, uh, that was good to learn the basics. But when you get into the wrestling, uh, if you know basics a little bit, because, you know, you work out and that, there's a lot of uh, stuff you probably 
No. If you did any wrestling at all, you know, they don't use it all, but there's stuff that'll help you. Another thing that's real good that helped me out was I was uh, taking judo at the same time. I wasn't going for a belt. I was working at the High Ridge YMCA in Chicago, and they had a guy uh, named Mike, another Mike, <laughs> and he he was like a fifth degree in judo. So what he would do is he had me go over there, and they would flip me. And they kept flipping me, and he knew I was into wrestling. So mm. they worked me like that. So I didn't go through everything they do, but he taught me how to take falls on that. Uh, so that helped big time, too, you know, to mm. learn that stuff. Uh, now it's different today. you got MMA or mm. all that stuff, and uh, which is great. You know, it's great. Uh, but what it is, a lot of guys, what they do, they'll take karate and they won't finish the black belt to get the black They'll go to something else so they learn a little bit of this, a little bit of that. There's more of that today than people just going for their black belt or their you know, second degree or third. But no, I think uh, this was a great thing, Mike, bringing oh, us thanks. here. Yeah, yeah. it's a terrific thing. I enjoyed this. Uh, three great guys here. And uh, all these sad stories. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Someone I'm out there wants to hear him, I hope. No. <laughs> I think it's always fun talking about something that you loved, you know, uh, or still love. Of course. Yeah. You know. Well, let's get to that. When's the last time you watched a WWE television show? This week. And that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Not like I used to, you know. I never. What I do now to. is I go to the indie shows around here because they pop these leagues up. Within the last ten years, they started having wrestling shows out here, which is nice for me. Uh, there's there's some talking in it, but not like on the big shows. Uh, for lack of a better term, the uh, the action is much faster paced, and you're out of there within an hour and a half, two hours, with a little story. You you don't need to build this big storyline up. You just watch them move around, right. which is what the whole history of wrestling was, right, Mike? Right, Mike? Yeah. You know, they, they come out, they do this. Talking, the last time I went to a wrestling show in Rockford, I stood in, er, they stood in the ring, raining uh, red confetti down for the NWO for almost an hour. Oh just, they were all, there's some red NWO, I don't know what one that was, Wolfpack maybe or whatever, Wolfpack, yeah. and it was... Uh, Scott Steiner yeah. mouthing oh, on the microphone yeah. for an hour about how great they are. And then uh, during that same show, Hogan was there. That's when he was not, he wasn't red and yellow Hogan anymore. He was wearing a uh, like a cut-off right, sleeve right. shirt, running around with a pipe or something. And uh, Hollywood. No, he wasn't Hollywood. He was not, nobody. He was just <laughs> Hulk. They just called him Hulk. And he'd come, he came in the ring and said something. And then I'm waiting, where is he? Where is he? And then they put on the TV. He's wrestling in the Metro Center parking lot, parking garage. And he's the main reason I came to the place. I'm like, what is going on? That was the last time Last time I went to a big wrestling match. Other than that, I think I might have went one other time with uh, tickets I won from a radio station oh. for a SmackDown. But I don't go anymore. I, I And now I'm lost. I don't know who any of the people are. They have no. Uh, yeah, they they change a lot. They, they have no long running people that I know of anymore. I just they have too many people to deal with. They're quarter of the market, which is actually changing now. Yeah, but they've got too many, too much talent to manage, 
and the storylines that they have are thin, no substance. It's not the same. And the athletes are phenomenal, believe me. A lot of the up-and-coming guys are are phenomenal. The whole Triple H NXT thing that WWE's doing, that's his, all him, according to him, anyway. And it's all this up-and-coming talent that will eventually move to the bigger rosters. But it's that's a once-in-a-while thing. They yeah. don't do it all the time. But the bigger shows, yeah, I mean, it's, in my opinion, anyway, it's it's watered down. It's it's boring. Well, that's a, lot, a lot of people and, have been saying this, and, what you're saying. And I'm, I'm sure the ratings are showing it. Um, but well, yeah, they've dropped. They've dropped. I mean, I check in every once in a while just to see if anything's changing because there. Are, I remember two moments in my history of watching wrestling when it it was a big change and it piqued my interest like no other. And I haven't seen yeah, that since. Uh, and it's 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 no. di- it's it's really disappointing because there is so much talent out there. Yeah, and even some of the talent today will say they want out of this contract that they've got with them because they don't well let here's the do. thing like i said they will pay you even if they don't work but if true you, but no but that's not for, for like me I, I don't mind getting paid for not working but i if you're here at the biggest league now yeah. you want to work exactly you want people to see you yeah. man and uh i'm sure i'm sure they want to work but at the same time like and i believe this you're 100 right uh, they have too many people Way too many. That's why you have these other leagues. This other league that's AEW. Yep. Yeah. Okay. They're picking up. Uh, you keep know going, what? Keep going. I'm going this way. Yeah. Because uh, you know what? Treasure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's your gold there, buddy. Oh, okay. Don't worry. I'll stay here. So. Anyway. Uh, but there, it, it's, it's too much talent to manage. And, um, I think their writers and their their story writers and everything, uh, they've gone to that. They've leaned towards more of the storyline anymore in the past twenty years, anyway. I mean, because that's there for a while. It was working. Everybody tuned in for what was going on, and you know the the wrestling action came in second. It's just more of a soap opera thing, you know. Um, but it doesn't work nowadays. So, in my opinion, I just it doesn't I think work. you're right, and. We talked about this before. I think they just need to cut off the show part of the people coming into the ring to talk and just have the guy like Gene just talk to the guy outside, yeah. videotape, go to the, go back to the formula from 1985 where you're talking about some guy and then go to some unrelated match and then get the other guy talking yeah. about the guy and then go to some unrelated match. And have it build up for a couple of weeks and then bring them out. They do, do have that format. It's just, in, in a way, they don't have the guy talking to the guy. But they bring up, throughout the show, they'll have they'll talk about the main storyline a little bit. And then they'll have some other stuff, filler, basically. Mm-hmm. And they'll bring it up midway through the show, a little bit more filler. And then they'll have it at the end. But the main events aren't main events. I mean, they're, they're showing stuff on TV that should be on pay-per-views. For one. That hurts them too, I think so. I totally agree with that. Because everything they're showing on TV is like, well, what's so, I mean, there aren't, yeah, there no, aren't I, the weaker match. Yeah. I mean, it's all the big name. They're getting all the big right, name. That's right. the thing about having too many people, too many, well, plus too much they, talent. You know, the kids, they have a school. So obviously they, the ones yeah. that are going to make it will be on there. But uh, they don't get much of a chance when they keep doing that. Uh 
like I said, when I did it, and I did it years ago in the 80s, and until 91, I think I was out of it. Uh, every time I did any show, it's not like I did 100 shows, probably with that five, six. Mm -hmm. Always I was in the hall, this huge hallway, because we would go to Joliet, uh, Rockford. Mm -hmm. We would, uh, and I'd be with most of the stars. They're in, yeah. in, in, it's not even a locker room, you know? And yet the top guys, like I said, had their own, but, uh, yeah. no, what do you, and, and, and I'm, I'm lucky in a way, some people say, well, you could have worked for nothing. Yeah, I, they used me, but they could have said, Mike, uh, tonight, uh, you know, you'll stay with us, but here's your check and we don't need you tonight. I mean, they, they figure they call you out there, they might as well pay you, you know, if you, yeah. they call well, yeah. you to go work for them. Uh, but you they, your time he's got regardless. so many guys then, so I don't know what he's got now. <laughs> and so that's why, you know, uh, I mean, Shawn Michaels quit. Okay? Mm -hmm. He's got health issues too. I'm sure back his knees, you know, because he, he became a big star for them. Mm -hmm. um, the other guy quit too, but he's coming back, I think, for one match. Undertaker? Uh, he's he's got a special deal with them where well, no, when they, they need him, yeah, yeah, he, and yeah. that keeps the younger guys that are good from coming in. When you keep, I'm not saying he should come in there and do it, all, <laughs> but uh, yeah. how many times? I mean, were they champions? I mean, you know. Well, they do that because they know it's a guaranteed draw. Like The Rock used to do that. Um, yeah, no, if he had, if he had, I mean, he's making movies now, but I mean, if he had stayed in wrestling, he still would have made money. He was a top draw. Yeah. And know, the other guy that had so many uh, issues with the beer, Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was good too. He was a good. Uh, but uh, they got some bad injuries too. You know, they, of they really. Do. I think it's an evolution, actually, with more so with the audience. You, you guys are talking about bringing back the Undertaker and whoever. You know. I think it. I think WWE. The older crowd, the younger crowd may not yeah. want that, you know. Because when I talk to these women that are or these guys, and I said, you know, if you want to work for me, I talk to so many people. You with me all yeah. the time, Mike? Uh, they say, yeah, we do. Now they're promoters, and the guys that work with them tell me, well, we do that because we, they don't work every night, so we want our guys to work a lot more. So I told them, if I take your guys, they they can. I don't want them to change their name or nothing. Because we're in the same area, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out further too. I want to do some with cons and maybe close to Chicago, but uh, I want uh, you know I want those guys to uh, be the same guy. I don't want to change you know because we went to one show where the one guy got his ass kicked, you know, got beat up, and the next he's at another show and he won. He looked great. So I I mean you're at your house. Well, I'm in the house of. Uh, yeah. And there's no tornado coming here with all these superheroes. <laughs> we'll be safe. This is Studio 306. Studio, this isn't a house. It's Studio 306. Right. Fez is here. Fez will protect us. All right, Fez. You know, what? why is it that some people don't watch wrestling anymore like me, you know? I think it's the entertainment could be there, the action, the nostalgia. Well, and the mystique uh, are gone. Yes. They're trying to bring the nostalgia back, but I don't think fans are buying it's it. It's sanitized. And I think the wrestlers right. just well, can't keep up with nostalgia. Yeah, no, you're the action right. of the right. new guys on either. That, on what he just said. Yeah, what's it's, that? It's geared towards, it's PG-13. Yeah, so, and I, I think well, that's hurt the WWE the, too. Do you remember the Attitude Era? Yeah. And then WWE versus WCW? Yeah. 
That you, you I, can't do that today. Could but they don't want to because they have so much of a younger audience. Well, that's the thing. And a bigger market. The, that way, they're looking at the people starting to get into it. Exactly. They know wow. we've been watching it. You got you know. Yeah, we, exactly. They know this, and it's like politics, you know. So in a way, it's like politics. Uh, yeah. I mean, you. you I don't know. I just think that, uh, like what you said before with the Glashan, and uh, there's, like I said, there's really a lot of talent out there, and a lot of these guys will never make it because that, that. there's, you know, people in front of them, and you know, you know, it's it, it's a bit. It's a, it, I don't want to say it's a dirty business. You got to know what you're getting into. I got into it a different year than today. Yeah. Well, sure. Uh, and when I got in there. Uh, the AWA was, was not as big as they used to be. They were, well, you know, they still had the Shawn Michaels, they had Kurt Henning, they still had, uh, you know, Wahoo, some of the old-timers. Uh, but slowly they were leaving. And uh, in a way, I wish I had stayed because what, what the AWA did, a lot of the guys that I knew that were just doing jobs, all of a sudden, are main event for the AWA. I mean, Jake Melliman. Yeah. He's won a couple matches. He, I, I see the one when he won the championship. He, he was in the business for so long. He did what they said. Huh. You know, he kissed the ranch and uh, yeah. he got his break. But for him, it was like 20 years too late. You know, I he mean, was actually up in Freeport a couple years yeah, ago. No, he's on yeah. tape. He's, oh, he's been up there. Hmm. With, uh, wow, what's his name? He's still wrestled too. I can't believe it. Kenny J. Do you yeah. remember Kenny J? Kenny J. He used to wrestle Sad in the Buster. WA. Sad Buster? Yeah, yeah. Kenny J. Yeah. And uh, he's got to be 60s. Well, I, well maybe. He, should, he has to be. They were older than me. When I, <laughs> uh, and Jake's not a bad guy. You know, he can move for a size. He's a real short guy. Yeah. But. Uh, well, I think that's going to wrap up our. All right. One the shaky subject matter one year anniversary special. Yay! Thank Gary and my old training partner Jim and my new training partner Mike. <laughs> the Thanks for having man. us, man. All right. That's cool. Fez, go get us some drinks. All right. All right, I'm gonna shut this down now. <laughs>